welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Christina, for being a guest on my podcast. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm honored. Well, Christina, um, my guest is, um, we've, I photographed your wedding, and I guess that's how we first met, and that was, um, what year was that? 2006. 2006. September. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, we've kind of stayed in touch here and there throughout the years, and we're Facebook friends, and now, um, and you have, so three kids? Yes. So, okay. 15-year-old. Um, freshman, going to be a sophomore in high school, and then a 13-year-old and girl, and my uh, youngest son is nine. So, okay. Yeah. And now we're sitting on your back porch and hearing the birds and everything, and it's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love it out here. So we, we often have coffee and just yeah. hang out, or at night, and just have a glass of wine out here. It's nice. Yeah. And... um and then one thing that I admire about you is like recently you've gone through cancer mm-hmm. and, um, and you, you shared on Facebook um, just kind of your progress and, and how things were going. And I admired your, um, I admire your attitude and th- th- that type of thing as you've been going through that. And are you, um, how is that? Are you, is that, are you still in the, in that, going through that process? So I'm considered cancer-free. Um, I had my double mastectomy surgery February 3rd, and um, the chemo, while it didn't um, it didn't kill all the cancer, so when they went in for the surgery, there was a little bit still in the tumor bed, but they did do clear margins, and it had spread anywhere to my lymph nodes. So all of it was removed, so I'm considered cancer-free, but because there was still... Um, some cancer present there, they put you on a a chemotherapy oral drug for six months. So um, I'm currently doing that. It's um, eight pills a day for 14 days straight, and then you have seven days off, and then you go again. So I just, uh, I'm starting my sixth cycle tomorrow. I have to do eight. Um, So I'm on the back back half of that. And then I'm also still doing immunotherapy infusions through my port. So it's the same as chemotherapy. It's a drug called Keytruda, but um, it was just approved for my kind of cancer a few years ago, and it's it's shown really great results. And so I do those infusions every three weeks for a whole year. Okay. So that will be done at the end of July. So then hopefully I'll be done with all of the drugs and the, and the immunotherapy by mid-August, and then I'll have a reconstruction surgery after that, probably in the fall. Okay. Um, so it it is weird to consider myself cancer-free because I still am getting chemotherapy. You know, it's not the kind that makes your hair fall out again, thankfully, but has other side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird to think of myself as like a survivor yet because I still feel in the in thick the of, it. of it. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And how long has it been now since your first diagnosis? So I was diagnosed on July 1st, so um, coming up on a year. And, um, you know, it's funny, you know, on Facebook, they always show you your memories from the year past or whatnot, what pops up every day. And um, I'm getting into the time now where I had felt 
a lump and um, was had inquired about getting it looked at um, because I had had a clear mammogram on on May March thirty first. So um, I had done some new kind of um, fitness plans where I was kind of more in tune with my body and you know losing some weight in that area and felt this lump. And, um, and so I reached out to my doctor and she said, Oh, you just had a clear mammogram. You're fine. Um, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. But, um, that was the middle of May, but then by the middle of June, it kept bothering me and it was kind of hurting. And so I pushed back and said, no, I really want to get this looked at. Um, so I went in for, um, an ultrasound on June 28th. And they did the biopsy that same day. And then I got the results on July 1st. So I'm really glad that I was persistent. And I think it's really important for anyone, especially women, to just listen to your body and, you know, um, your intuition about things, even if it means pushing back on, you know, who would be an expert in the field or whatnot. Um, Because, you know, um, if I hadn't gotten it looked at, I don't know where I'd be. It, my kind of cancer, it's called triple negative breast cancer. It's a very aggressive kind of cancer. Um, it's one um, that they've developed a really good protocol for, but it's the most intense chemo that you can go through for breast cancer um, because they don't know where the cancer's coming from. It's not hormone-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's why it's called triple negative, because it's negative to all those hormones that typically cause cancer. And mm-hmm. then they can just block that hormone. Um, so I did um, 16 rounds of chemo. Um, and um, and then luckily I didn't have to have radiation. So um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. But looking at those memories now, it's hard not to look at those pictures and say, wow, you know, I had cancer then, but I had no idea. That's kind of what I think of when I see pictures from me right at this point a year ago. Um, so it's yeah. an interesting feeling. Yeah. Um, what was it like to, when you first found out? Um, you know, I am, I'm a planner and I don't like to not be in control of situations. And so when I first got the call, I kind of had a feeling um, that that's what it was going to be, even though we have no family history and um, at all of any cancer, not even breast, just any cancer in our family. Um, but when I, they said they wanted to do the biopsy the same day, you know, the day I went in, it was a beautiful day. It was eight, eight in the morning, sunny, and it was, I had a very weird feeling come over me as I was walking into Mercy to get the ultrasound that I had this feeling like my life was about to change. I sometimes have these weird feelings. I don't know if it comes from the Holy Spirit or just, you know, what, but um, I have kind of weird intuition feelings. And so um, while I felt like I knew what the, the, this, what the outcome was going to be, I was still shocked. Um, when they called me on Friday. I was glad I found out on Friday, though, because it was a holiday weekend. And so, you know, I got the call. They said it's um, invasive ductal carcinoma. I didn't know it was triple negative yet at the time until I got the test results later that night, which is a whole other ballgame. So when they called, they're like, it's small. You probably don't even need chemo. 
just surgery, you caught it early, you're in good shape. They were so positive. You know, they're saying you have cancer, but they're so positive about it. So, but I hung up the phone and I, I cried. Um, I was at work, so I was sitting at my desk and, um, you know, called my mom. I mean, called my husband first, called my mom. Um, <clears throat> but then I kind of switched into this mode like, I got to, what do I got to do? to get in front of this now what what do I need to do and so I just started making calls to make appointments because I knew I wanted to get multiple opinions um and so um I called a mercy breast you know surgeon I called um Siteman, you know and then I had a friend who was an oncology nurse at MOBAP and so you know I had appointments basically scheduled by the end of the day <laughs> for the, the coming weeks to, to get these three opinions because I felt like this is something I can be in control of. I can try to, you know, get in to see these doctors. I can't control what's going on in my body right now. I can't start treatment right away, but I can try to do what I need to do to get it taken care of. So that was kind of my mindset. It was very emotional, but I was also like very determined so in getting different opinions, was that getting more biopsies or just using the same biopsy and having other people look at it? And, yes, yeah. yes. So um, later that night, I found out that it was triple negative by looking at the test results that I was negative for all three of these hormones. And then I Googled what that meant because I my OB didn't even call me, which I was really upset about. Um, the beginning of my journey was really frustrating. I didn't feel like I had a lot of support medically from my, um, my OB or, or, you know, um, the office or whatnot. Um, so, um, when I got, um, I knew that triple negative was a harder cancer to treat with, you know, not as great results. So you were already familiar with that? No, just by Googling it, you know, which is kind of terrifying because the Google results are more terrifying than it actually is because, Hmm. It's one of those cancers that they're constantly doing research on um, and constantly changing how to treat it. So the results that are on Google are, you know, four or five years old because that's how the research cycle works, right? So they don't have results from last year, you know, how many people are, you know, what's the 10-year survival rate, you know. So you were able to figure out from your biopsy results that you had triple negative and when they called you to tell you they didn't know they couldn't if they didn't realize that themselves no <laughs> they they knew that mm-hmm. the biopsy came back positive for cancer mm-hmm. but i guess the nurse that called didn't have the um the the markers for it and okay. then that showed up in my you know my online chart mm-hmm. at like eight o'clock that night mm-hmm. so i started so once i found that out then i'm into a holiday weekend so i can't because I think that that helps um, accelerate the process as far as getting appointments goes because time is of the essence because it's a, it's a quickly moving cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think by the time, you know, I got, I think everyone was off on Monday. I was like on the phone bright and early on Tuesday morning um, calling these doctors back and saying, it's triple negative. I need to get in as soon as possible because I want to start this process. And my friend who's an oncology nurse had told me when I told her she, it was triple negative, I could tell by her face that um, 
I was in for, you know, um, a fight that was more than just, you know, definitely not just a surgery. She's like, you're definitely going to have chemo and it's probably going to be 16 weeks of chemo. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard chemo. So from her, I knew more than from my medical profession yet, the, the professionals yet. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I went to, I went to Siteman, I went to MOBAP. Again, the Mercy doc that I saw early on was like, oh, this is just one, one centimeter. I mean, you're, you're not going to need chemo. He didn't even know. Um, mm. And so, um, but the other two doctors, you know, at MOBAP and Siteman were both like, you, this is what the protocol is for triple negative. You're going to be in this and this and this. And um, luckily, so the size of the tumor makes all the difference. And you have to be over two centimeters to get this immunotherapy drug, Keytruda, which is kind of the new cutting edge thing. And so my doctor, both both doctors, the Siteman and the Mobat doctor said, you know, the area right around your tumor is cause for kind of concern. So we're going to call this whole area 2.5 to 3 centimeters. So that qualifies me for the Keytruda, which is good. So um, because it, it helps kind of the long-term um, prognosis, if that makes sense. So it's really interesting to go to three different medical professors or, you know, medical doctors at three different institutions um, and see what the feedback is and hmm. how different it can be. Hmm. Yeah. And then, um, so I guess your emotional state was like, um, sounds like determination, like just ready to get into the fight, it sounds like. Huh? Yeah, I just, from the beginning, decided, um, you know, I... I had heard, you know, my doctor at Siteman, who's amazing, um, she said, we can't explain it, but people with a positive attitude just do better through the chemo, through surgery, through recovery, through everything. So I had that mindset. I'm going to be positive. We have these steps. And she's like, you you are going to get through this. We're going to get you through this. She was very positive about it. Um, So, you know, I just... I decided I'm going to try to work out almost every day if I can. Um, I'm going to do my intermittent fasting. I'm going to do what I can to keep my body as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. Um, And I thought, (coughs) excuse me, by keeping my body as healthy as possible to help me keep a healthy mindset too. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to lose my hair, you know, um, I knew I might not feel my best, but I thought if I can just keep doing that. So I kept doing um, strength workouts with weights. I did um, basically, and then, you know, everyone wanted to help. I have such an amazing family and friend support system. Um, And one way I thought would be really meaningful for me, for them to help was to come and just walk with me. So um, we set up a walk schedule. You know, the first thing you think of is meals. And while that's great, um, when you're doing chemo, you don't want to eat anything. You know, you you lose your sense of taste. I still have a loss. Luckily, I can taste coffee. (laughs) Um, But literally, one of the only things you can taste, and it's funny because all the chemo patients say the same thing, it's mashed potatoes, (laughs) mac and cheese, um, you know, um, 
sometimes pizza. It's all things that aren't great for you. Mm-hmm. I I was on a eating whole foods, you know, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of healthy grains, healthy carbs, and all of that kind of goes out the window because you can't taste it and also you just kind of lose your appetite for things. Um, but if I thought if I can keep, you know, um, moving my body and, and being healthy in that way and um, I, I, I thought that'll help. And it's funny because I showed my plan to um, – it's called the faster way, but I showed my plan to the dietitian at Sightman. She said – if you can eat this much protein today, if you stay on this plan, you are in great shape. So I knew I was doing good things, you know, for my body being on this plan. Um, but um, so I had friends sign up and three days a week, they would come walk with me for 30 minutes a day. Hmm. And I got to visit with friends who I never have time to visit with and walk. And it was just wonderful. So that was, it was mentally filling, you know, of my hard in my soul to see my friends and I was you know getting exercise um, and then the other day I would do some weight training and like a hit workout and sometimes I wouldn't there'd be times where I wouldn't maybe feel up to it but for the most part throughout my chemo I I worked out in some way five or six days a week yeah um, you know you mentioned intermittent fasting and I've mm-hmm. heard about the connection between that and um, cancer um, like through library books and stuff like that. Yes. It, so. so yeah, it is, um, especially before your chemo treatment. So the idea is, you know, if you intermittent fast before your chemo treatment, um, your body is focused solely on, uh, it's not focused on breaking down food and, you know, what the process is in your body to do that. It's solely focused in on, um, you know, producing healthy cells and and um, the the medicine that's coming in through the chemo you know can come in easily easy, easier and whatnot and because your body's not focused on breaking down food so that's the kind of I think science behind it okay. and some people I know um, I do like a 16 and 16 hour fast mm-hmm. every day so I from 8 30 to 12 30 but some people I know before their chemo treatments would fast for 24 hours or 48 because they've read you know mm-hmm. things that have shown that that's really healthy um, to do before chemo so and is that something that you were hearing from from your doctors or is it just something you were learning about on your own so um, intermittent fasting was part of the faster way program that I was already doing and then when I got cancer um, I read how it was really helpful for chemo. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to continue to do that, you know? Um, so it's not something that's a part of the protocol. No, no, okay. it's, it's, yeah, there's lots of things, um, surrounding cancer treatments that, you know, but my doctor said it was, you know, very healthy to do. And she was, there was actually, um, you know, when you get your blood work done every week and you go in, um, they want to know whether you're intermittent fasting or not because it hmm. you know affects okay. what your blood work looks like too so, I see yeah. yeah um well that's really cool how you know you set up the walking and how you know you hear that um like social type of stuff is it's just so good for us because we're created to be connected to people and um and it you know it makes a difference I think even just physically on our physical well-being and so forth and yeah. yeah, especially because we were still in, 
you know, the end of, of COVID. Um, and so, you know, my kids, I, they were wonderful. I mean, they knew they had to wear a mask every day to keep me safe. Um, you know, and that's hard because everyone else stopped wearing masks, you know, at that time. Um, and so we were still living in this, you know, kind of COVID like world, um, for those six months. Um, you know, and, and still now being careful, but knowing, you know, I'm a lot healthier now than I was as far as my immune system. I mean, because I'm still getting oral chemo, my numbers are still lower. And so I still have to kind of be careful um, in a lot of settings. But during the winter, you know, we went through the really bad flu season. And so my work was wonderful. I ended up, uh, I did 12, 12 chemos of the certain protocol and then four of what they call AC. And those are really, really hard on your body. That's kind of, they call it the red devil, hmm. if that tells you anything. And it's this big syringe of red drugs that they, they slowly put into your port. And so um, that really, you know, gets your immune system down to the low, to lowest. At one point, I actually, my white blood cell count was at zero. Hmm. Um and so I was, you know, having to be home. So, um, you know, we didn't do anything socially um, as far as going out to dinner or hanging out with friends or any of that. And so really seeing people in my walks was the only thing I was doing. And I was even, I was working from home the last three months or two, two or three months um, because I work in a school and so susceptible to all sorts of things there. Um, so, yeah, it was really really good. I couldn't go to church. Um, luckily, our church is online, so I would watch from home. Um, but it's hard when, I mean, during COVID, everyone was making those sacrifices, right? But we were in the world then where, you know, everything's back to normal, but we couldn't be back to normal. So, you know, my kids couldn't go on sleepovers or big get together. So it was really hard. Um, yeah. So. You know, you mentioned that before all this happened, you had like a feeling that your life was going to change and that that was something you've experienced before. Like, is that something you've commonly experienced um, like before a big change, like some kind of feeling about that? So I had one other experience. Um, yes. Um, when I was pregnant with Abraham, um, it was the week before he was going to be born. And um, we had um, just sold our house in the city. We had bought this house. We had we just, you know, had an accepted contract, you know, on this house. And um, we were set to close on our house in the city the following week. So he, he was going to be born via C-section on that Friday. And we were going to close the following Friday. So, you know, we had packed everything into pods. The only thing left in our house were some camping chairs, you know, and our bed. Um, And it was the Thursday before uh, my ski section. And Kyle, my husband, called me and said, "Um, I need to come see you at work. And I said, why? He's like, I need to come talk to you. And I'm, you know, nine months pregnant and just crazy. And I'm like, oh, he's he's out. He's gonna, he, he doesn't want a third kid. <laughs> That's what it was going on in my mind, just craziness. So he gets to my work and I worked at WashU at the time and he gives me a hug and he's like, the buyers are backing out of our contract. 
And I'm like, I was relieved <laughs> at first because it was that. And um, I later told him what I was thinking. And he's like, what? what's wrong with you? What kind of man do you think I am that I would do that? I'm like, I don't know. I was in crazy, uh, you know, pregnant mind. Um, so the buyers of our house in the city had were trans or um, relocating. And um, the man had started the job and he got fired the next day. So they backed out of our contract, um, which we ended up suing them because it was past all the dates you're allowed to back out of a contract. So I was in panic mode. We were like, what are we going to do? Because we had already accepted the house, you know, on this house, which was in our perfect area. You know, we this was going to be a forever home. Um, so I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. So we, we still didn't know. Well, meanwhile, I started panicking because I started not feeling the baby move. And I didn't know what we were having. I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And I was like, you know, it's been a few hours. I haven't felt the baby move. And I called my doctor and I said, I, you know, this has been a day. I, I need to come in and make sure that the baby's okay. She's like, you're fine. The C-section's tomorrow. You're fine. You're fine. I said, I need to come in and make sure. I can't. I can't. I, I, I you know. So I go into the office and Kyle was on couldn't come with me so a, a good friend came with me to and um they hooked me up to the ultrasound machine and I remember it like it was yesterday but it was nine years ago um they put the machine on my stomach and the heartbeat came through so strong and it, I at that moment I literally felt this sense of calm rush over me that I felt I felt like was the Holy Spirit telling me everything's going to be okay. And at that moment, I also felt, I literally in my head felt the baby like saying, Mom, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. And at that moment, I knew it was a boy and I knew we were going to name him Abraham. I just, it was in that moment. I can't explain it. And you hear people talk about these moments and I'm always like, whatever. But it, it was the weirdest feeling ever. And, um, the next morning, you know, um, we went in for the C-section and we were walking in and Kyle said, what, what are you thinking? I said, it's a boy. I know it. It's a boy and, and we're going to name him Abe. And we hadn't decided on the name for sure, you know. Um, and, it, and it was. He came and he was perfect and it was a boy and he named him Abraham James. And, um, and then I'm in the hospital and we decided, okay, we have two months where – we can float these house payments before, so we're going to get the house back on the market. So, you know, I was in the hospital for five days because I had a C-section. Kyle went back to our house. He unpacked the one pod that was left in front of our house, restaged the house all by himself. He's taking me through the house on, you know, we're on like a, we didn't have Zoom then. It was like a video call. He's showing me everything that he's done from the hospital. I signed the papers from the hospital bed on this house. Um, and our house went back on the market, um, two days later. And then the next day we moved the five of us in with my parents, a newborn, a four-year-old and a six-year-old into my parents' house for seven weeks. Um, and luckily at week eight, which is the two month mark where we were about to have to rent our house, our house went back under contract and it all and went through. We closed on this house, and 
it all did work out. So I just, um, that was a long story, but it really was, it's a defining moment of, of my life for sure. Um, where I felt like, um, God really took control and said, I got this. You're going to be okay. You know, it was weird. Very odd. Were those few weeks like pretty hectic? (laughs) Yes. Um, my husband works from home, so and I'm home with a newborn, right? Our four and six-year-old are in school, but he was working from my parents' kitchen table while I'm taking care of our newborn in the next room. So yeah, it was, and we're, we're sleeping on the pull-out couch uh, in my parents' living room, and the kids were upstairs. Um, it was yeah. a crazy time, but I, until I had cancer, that was the time in my life where. I thought, wow, if we, we got through that, we can get through anything in marriage, you know? Um, and then um, we, um, last year in 2021, we bought, um, it was always our dream to own a lake house. And again, it kind of happened just, um, he owned some land in Illinois and they decided to sell. And so um, they sold the land and um, so we had, you know, they did well. And so we had this income and I said, maybe we should look for a lake house. And he's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And, um, but we did. <laughs> and then, um, we, we bought this house actually without even stepping foot in it first because the market was so crazy. So we just saw it on a video. He's like, we're not buying a house without seeing it first. And then <laughs> we did. And so we spent the whole year well, seven or eight months renovating. And then I thought that was a really hard time in our life because he was, you know, two two hours and 15 minutes away all week, you know, the whole week. He was working by day for his day job, then renovating the house at night. I was here by my kids, with the kids by myself. So for that six months of, of 2021, I was like, oh my gosh, how, this is crazy. And, you know, it's financially draining. It's emotionally draining. It was draining on the marriage, draining on at home because I'm doing everything by myself. And little did I know that we were going to come into this season of cancer the very next year. Um, and it was like this role reversal because that he was doing it all by himself um, because he was um, so supportive. And so, like, you need to focus on you, you need to focus on your health on your mentality and I'm going to do it, do it all. Um, he also, and uh, you know, this may be something little, but we're very, we're social people. We, we like to enjoy, we drink wine, you know, we like to just go out to dinner, you know, with our friends and, um, through chemo, I, um, wasn't allowed to drink at all. Um, because it's very hard on your liver, the chemo drugs. And so Hmm. he said, um, if you can do hard things, I can do hard things. So he gave up alcohol that whole time that I was, through treatment for six or seven months, hmm. which, you know, may not seem like a big deal, but it was, I mean, I mean, it was definitely, a, you know, I've been through three pregnancies, so I guess I, I've given up alcohol <laughs> for nine months at a time, but we're so far past that point, you know, with my ghost being nine. So um, that was actually, it was odd. It, it felt very bonding for him to do that for me. Um, in addition to, I mean, we had, kids in three different schools, you know, high school, middle school, and um, elementary school. And three, so three different bus pickups. Um, and he would get up and he did it all. All I did was get up. I would do my workout in the morning um, and get ready for work and go to work. And he really 
took the reins, you know. Um, I always did all the meal planning, but I was in a sense where n- nothing tasted well, you know. So we did have people that we did have a meal service, and it was really nice um, and helpful. But he took all that on, you know, um, all the carting kids places and driving, you know. Um, I mean, just everything. So it was interesting because he travels for his job. So up until this time in our life, I mean, he's gone. Like right now, he's gone for three days. You know, he's gone for times. And so I'm always the one, you know, I'm kind of doing it all. So it was a real mm-hmm. roller reversal. But he really took it on without missing a step and, and never complained about it at all. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. Um, you know, you really see a, a new side of your marriage when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. So have the difficult things always uh, afterwards have seemed worth it? Like some things you don't have a choice of, but like the move, you know, your forever home or the lake house and stuff. And now that it's over, or would you uh, kind of think, no, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) No, it's, it's It's always been worth it. it. And, you know, I always said, um, everything happens for a reason. Um, But now I, my mind is shifted to kind of you can find purpose in everything that happens in life. So it, it, you know, because I, I don't think, you know, I've, I've loss we've had in our lives or, you know, struggle, you know, getting cancer. Well, you know, there's not really a reason that happened, but you can find purpose from it. So that's kind of the mind shift that I have now is, um, you know, even though cancer was has been really hard, um, I actually feel like a better version of myself on the other end of it um, because of my, you know, wanting to be in control and all of that. And you can't control a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I've learned to just definitely not sweat a lot of the small stuff I used to always sweat and always want to be in control of and, you know, whatever, and just enjoy moments a lot more and really put into perspective what I need to stress out about and what I don't. Um, and um, that had, didn't happen until, I mean, I was still a ball of stress through the lake house renovation and through living with my parents and all of that. But the, but cancer is really, um, you know, brought me into that kind of new mindset. I still stress out about things and, you know, of course, um, and I still like to plan things, um, but I definitely say I don't care to a lot more, you know, well, you know, whatever, it's fine, you know, whereas I might have before said, no, this is how I want it to be or want it done. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've mentioned God and like, what is, um, have, has that always, God always been a part of your life from, you know, real early or how did that begin or just, you know, what is that like for you? I love this question. Um, I grew up very Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Um, we always went to church every Sunday. Um, but I never felt a personal connection with, with Jesus. You know, I never felt like we weren't taught in the Catholic church to have a personal relationship with God. You know, you're taught really, to go through priests, I mean, you know, for reconciliation, for, you know, the different sacraments or whatnot. Um, Went away to to college. Um, I really had no interest in keeping 
you know, going to church or keeping my faith going. I mean, I knew I believed in Christianity and the, the basis of Christianity, but there were a lot of things in the Catholic Church that I did not agree with. Um, and so really my my college life, I didn't do anything. Um, I mean, I had to go to church when I came home, you know, with my family, but I never, you know, went to church at college. Um, and then post-college, I moved to Dallas. Um, I knew no one. I just... I. Funny enough, I love country music, and I thought it'd be fun to live in Texas, you know. And um, so I, I found a job in in Dallas and moved without knowing anyone after college. And um, the the scene of of twenty somethings in Dallas, everybody goes to church, and I, you know, and it was they were all really like non denominational. I mean, there's a heavy Baptist you know, and kind of Methodist population, but also a really, you know, a non-denominational population. So um, my friends were going to this church called Fellowship, and I, they're like, oh, come along. I'm like, okay, sure, you know, because I knew no one. So my friends were my work friends. Those are the only people I knew. Um, and, oh, my gosh, I had no idea you could sit in a church service and actually listen to the pastor speak and get something out of it. You know, and of course, it, you know, they had a band and it was very, you know, um, you know, fun music. And again, like all these people having fun at church. I remember sitting in church and, you know, like counting the businesses on the back of the bulletin, like during the service <laughs> to try to stay awake. I mean, my parents would probably hate that I say that, but um, it just, um, you know, that's where in Dallas where I really found wow, you know, um, you can really relate the Bible and church to your life. Um, it doesn't have to be this, you know, kind of thing you go through the motions about, you know. Um, and so I, I joined like a small church group. I got involved in like children's church, you know, helping kids. And um, I did like Bible, you know, vacation Bible camp, like teaching and stuff. And it was great. And, um, you know, so then um, I... When I moved back to St. Louis, I found another non-denominational Christian church, and I was going to that church and really loving it. And these are like the big mega churches. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I met Kyle, um, you know, he grew up Methodist, and um, and we became you know dating and serious. And we used to go to this non-denominational church, Windsor Crossing, out in Chesterfield together, and um, and he really liked it too. You know, he was you know he knew he wanted. Um, religion in, in his life and our life of our family and whatnot, but like he wasn't married to the Methodist church either, you know? Um, so we did that for a while, but then we learned that, um, you know, they didn't do children, child baptism. They only do adult baptism. They just do a promise ceremony. And like the Catholic of me was like, I need the water rushing over the head and the oil and the sins going away. Like I still had those feelings inside from growing up like that. And so we went on a journey to find a church together and we found um, the Gathering Methodist, United Methodist Church. And um, they were a brand new church only, I think they were two years old when we found the Gathering. And because we were, we had had Ben and we were looking for somewhere to baptize Ben. And so, um, and when we went to the service, it followed a lot of the mass and so it was comfortable for me but it was very like um 
modernized and the music was great and the pastor was great and he was our age and um and so you know it was like come but i thought kyle was gonna think it was too close to you know the catholic mass but he was like oh, i really like that we could drink coffee while we sat and listened to you know we got our cup of coffee and could listen to church so that's where we found our church home and but oh i should i want to back up a second because when we were looking for a church, so we got married in the Catholic Church. We got married at my grandmother's church, Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, she actually, this was another moment. She passed away in um, April of 2006, um, the day before my birthday, actually, um, at like 10 o'clock at night. So we got the call, and you know, my mom, um, I thought she was calling to tell me happy birthday, you know, cause she called it like, a, at like 11 or 11. I was like, Oh, it's my mom just calling to wish me happy birthday first, you know, whatever. And she, so I didn't answer it cause it was late. And then she kept calling and she called and she said, you know, your Nana passed away. And I also had this weird feeling at that moment. Maybe this sounds weird, but that she passed away two hours before what would have been my birthday. And it was like, it's like she didn't pass away on my birthday because she didn't want that date to be associated with her death. I truly believe, and she was such um, a religious woman. You know, she my um, she was born and raised in Havana, Cuba, and then came here. Um, she had like you know the shrine to Mary. When we were little, we used to say rosaries with her, um, and so she was very much a woman, um, you know, of religion. So anyway, um, so. It meant a lot to me then to, to get married in her church, even though I didn't feel that connection at the Catholic Church. So we we weren't going to have a full Mass, so we didn't have a full Mass because Cagall didn't grow Catholic. He wasn't going to convert. So we got married September 30th, so six months after <clears throat> in the church. Um, so then when we got – we were pregnant nine months later, very quickly after we were married – and I was like, when we were looking for places to baptize Ben, I called the church where we were married. And I said, you know, it's really important to me that we expose our kids to both my husband's religion, Methodist, and my religion, Catholicism. And so they can really have an understanding of both, but know, you know, that we, you know, believe in Jesus and we, you know, um, but I want them to have both perspectives. And the woman said to me, well, I don't think you're ready to baptize your child Catholic then. Um, and turned turned us away. Hmm. And I hung up the phone and I cried. And I thought, because I felt like I was mourning this religion that I grew up with my whole life. And I just couldn't believe that there was no um, room for um, compromise. That they couldn't understand that we wouldn't want to expose our kids to both religions, you know. I was making the choice to baptize them Catholic, um, but they, you know, that she kind of turned us away. And so um, <clears throat> that was a real turning point, I feel like, you know. And um, so then we, that, then we went on the journey and we found the gathering. So we've baptized all three of our kids there. Ben's been confirmed there. And, you know, my parents really love going there. Well, my mom loves going to church there. She loves the music. She loves listening to Pastor Matt talk. Because she, and so it's been great because she's really come around, you know, and and understood that you know there are other religions there, and it's not just Catholicism. 
you know, isn't the only way. Though when Kyle and I were dating, you know, she really doesn't didn't have an understanding of that. Um, and when we were dating, we went over to their house to do Easter eggs, to dye eggs. And my mom said to Kyle, now, Kyle, Easter is when Catholics celebrate the dying and rising of Jesus. <laughs> and Kyle goes, um, yeah, Mrs. Forslita, uh we celebrate that too. <laughs> so she didn't even know that Methodists celebrate, you know, Easter and Chris, you know, Christmas, you know, she doesn't, she didn't even have an understanding of what other religions basically, you know, believe. Mm-hmm. So it's been a learning, you know, experience for her too. Yeah. So, so was, you know, when you went to Dallas and you were exposed to, you know, the Bible really kind of making sense was, um, was that, you know, and, and that all kind of being more personal to you? Was that like just a process or like was there um, just a moment, like an experience with God type of moment where, boom, you know, you're like a, a new person or something like that or, you know? Yeah, no, it just was kind of gradual um, because, you know, I started going to the church service and then I decided I wanted to get more involved and maybe make some new friends that were around my age. And mm-hmm. um, at one point, actually, though, I was going to church multiple times a week because um, there was a Baptist church um, that had this really fun Monday service where it was mostly music and just singing. And the band that played there was Mercy Me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, if you can believe it. So mm-hmm. I heard, I can only imagine before they were popular. You know, this is 2001. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this band is amazing. They're they're going to be good. And then they blew up. So it was crazy because they were just this band yeah. we saw on Mondays that played worship music. Um, and then I was actually still going to a Catholic service in Dallas. They had like... Um, you know, like a youth, they call them youth masses, so they play like the fun music. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was going to a youth mass on Sundays um, um, that was a Sunday night. So I would go to, you know, fellowship Sunday morning. Um, I'd go to the Catholic church Sunday night. I'd go to this, you know, Baptist church on Mondays. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, they only did the fellowship only did communion um, once a month. So I would go to the communion service, which they had later in the week, like once a month or whatever. So, and then I, I heard about all these small groups and stuff. And so I was like, Oh, I'll join a small group. And so um, I did that. And that's where we started doing, you know, um, you know, different Bible studies or whatnot. I, I still don't consider myself any kind of Bible expert or whatnot, but, um, but it was a time when I could, read parts of the Bible and find, and and we were doing studies where you can relate to things, you know, realize it's not just, you know, it, it you can pull meaning out of it that can apply to your life, you know, even though it was written, you know, yeah. how many thousand years ago, so. So, um, you know, there's like different religions and so forth, um, Hinduism and Buddhism and you know, Jewish, and um, I guess, you know, people in various religions um, find their religion meaningful. So for you, what gives you confidence that, um, you know, the Christian religion is the one that's, you know, fits with the reality of who God is and that Jesus really is the 
Son of God. Is there anything in uh, particular that just you know makes that um, helps you with that as far as confidence or gives you that reason for? Um, you know, no, I don't. I don't think because I respect you know anyone who feels strongly in their faith, whatever that is, I respect them and their faith and what they feel. Um, and, you know, um, this is just what I've known my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I feel like, you know, um, God has been there for me in my life in these situations and, um, so I, I just feel, for me in my heart, that's what, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins, rose, you know, all of that, you know. And, but I think you can find truth in all religions, too, you know. And I still, you know, Catholics believe, you know, in, in praying to saints or praying to Mary. You know, that's, I believe in that still. That's fine. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, even though other Christian um, religions don't believe in saying prayers to marry your saints, you know. Um, and then there's things like transconfiguration that I don't believe in. You know, I, I believe taking communion is a symbol of God's body and blood. And in our minds, when we're taking communion, we can feel like we're taking the body and blood of Christ. But I don't believe it actually transforms into the body and blood of Christ like Catholics believe. You know, so I think you just, in your life, you just, as you grow, you have to, you know, things can shift and that's okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I definitely have friends in other religions and I don't be just, they're as convicted as I am, you know? And I don't think that that's wrong. You know, I think everyone has their own faith and, um, that, that, and that should be respected, you know? Well, for you, what is, um, you know, you said God was there for you in these different, different times. So what is, therefore you mean like um besides just things kind of working out or that might be a part of it you know answers to prayer and so forth but um what does like um relate i guess the relationship like for you is for you know is there is it does it feel like a relationship and as far as like um experiencing him in some way and you know it's kind of a broad question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I take signs in different things. Like, um, you know, um, I have, um, like, I've had very, like, vivid dreams that I feel like are signs. Um, I had a dream recently that was really impactful right when I was in the thick of, thick of chemo. Um, and I had this dream that we were, I was at this kind of like outdoor concert venue and, um, I was standing there and I looked up into this like bleacher area and my Nana and my grandmother were standing on these bleachers above me, waving down and smiling at me. And I, when I woke up, I just had this sense of feeling like they were saying like, you're okay. Everything's going to be okay. I also felt the sense like they were saying we're in a happy place here in heaven and heaven is, is good too. You know, like it was a weird kind of 
combination feeling, but they um, they were younger versions of themselves, but not like my age. But they were probably like like a like a fifties you know version of themselves. But they were together and they were smiling and waving at me. And I don't know. I've always taken things like that as just so- like signs um, from God, you know, or you know, seeing a cardinal bird or just. Um, or a certain song coming on the radio. I know that sounds silly, but I mean, I've had moments where certain songs come on the radio where I'm like, this is crazy that this would come on right at this moment. You know, um, I had a really close friend um, who was very important to me um, tragically pass away when I was 18. He was, um, I took him to my senior prom and, and um, we used to always go country dancing together and um, he was, he was hit by a train and killed um, close to his home. And um, at the time, I mean, that was definitely the most tragic thing that had ever happened in my life, you know, at 18. And I was, it was very, very difficult. And um, um, it was, I think the 20 year anniversary of his death and I got in the car to go to work, and the, and I turned on the radio, and the first song that came on was the dance by Garth Brooks, you know, which is all about you know not missing the dance of life, you know, and I just broke down in tears, and I I mean, to me like that just can't be a coincidence, you know, um, I mean that song always reminded me of him, um, so I don't know, you know, I, um, you know. When I was recovering from my surgery, my mom was over helping take care of me. And um, we sat and we said the rosary together. And that might be the first time I said the rosary in 30 years. But something came over me like, you know, mom, let's let's say the rosary. And she had gotten me a rosary when I got cancer and had a blessed by their priest, which she always had things blessed by their priest, which I think is funny since I'm Methodist. Um, but she always had my kids' baptismal gowns blessed by the Catholic priest. You know? um, so anyway, I don't know if that answers it, but I just, I believe in signs. And I think signs from, you know, people of your past that have died and that can be a sign from God. Um you know, I um, through this cancer journey, I just feel like I've had moments where I feel like Jesus is with me, like, and that it's going to be okay. And, you know, like every time I face something, you know, I never had major surgery like that before, you know, and <laughs> just feeling like, okay, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um. So um, I was just kind of thinking earlier about um, just what I might want to ask you. Um, I was going to start off with just growing up and things that have impacted your life and shaped you. (laughs) I guess probably the obvious things like family, parents and family members. But um, anything else um, just really kind of shaped Christina to be the the woman she is growing Um. up? Well, I'm the oldest of five. Mm-hmm. I have three sisters and a brother. So I think I've always been like a kind of outgoing, take charge kind of person because I was the oldest. Um, we um, we moved a lot when I was growing up. We moved seven times. until wow. And so, um, and there was always a reason for it. Um, but um, it's funny, in high school, I wrote a paper um, 
called I Kept My Life in a Box Labeled Fragile, hmm. which I thought now looking back is, you know, really kind of profound for a 16-year-old to come up with that title. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved so much that that was something that did shape my life because I switched schools, you know, a few different times. Um, and so that meant, you know, making new friends and getting acclimated to a new school or a new area or whatnot. And, um, you know, when, you know, Kyle came from a growing up of, you know, very much like, I think they moved like once, you know, from Wisconsin to Illinois and they grew up in that same house his whole life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so we grew up, you know, very different. And so, um, you know, one thing that we, my mom, you know, she's been a nurse for 50 years, a pediatric nurse at Cardinal Glennon. And, um, so every year she made it a point to save so that we could always go on a vacation whether it was, you know, for a few days to the lake of the Ozarks or Disney or somewhere, you know, she would save money to go on vacation every year. And then she Christmas is her huge thing. And she always wanted us to have a nice Christmas, you know, together. And so um, even now, my sisters and I are always like, Mom, dial it down on the Christmas. We're in our 40s and 30s. Like, you, you know, don't. But she's like, let me have my Christmas. She loves Christmas. So, um, and she just loved us all being together. So, you know, we just, we always grew up, you know, like caravanning on vacation. I mean, just have so many memories of us, you know, driving places. We, my mom had a best friend that lived, they lived in Detroit. And so um, they met when we were both living in the Chicago area. Um, for a few years. And so then we would always go to Detroit almost, you know, every other summer to visit them. That's a 10 hour drive, you know? So we always did a lot of fun games in the car, you know, back in the day when we had conversion vans and you lay down the back, you know, Mm -hmm. seatbelts weren't, (laughs) weren't even a thing. I mean, they were a thing, but no one cared. Um, So, you know, we, we just grew up with a lot of fun times, you know, on vacation and, being together and um um so i would i would think you know i feel like moving and you know getting acclimated and that kind of thing and then vacations and christmases is what i remember the most about childhood um and i wanted my kids to have those memories you know so you know i love planning trips whether they're a small trip like a camping trip or a big trip or whatever you know like and and you know we grew. We also grew up, um, you know, going going to the lake or you know water skiing, camping. My mom and dad were both in a ski club on the Merrimack River, so I learned to ski at you know I was five or six, and so I, um, you know, really wanted. I had so many great memories of being on the lake and just water skiing, doing all that kind of stuff together as a family. And so, and Kyle grew up going to his grandparents' lake in Wisconsin, and they had so many fond memories of like fishing and camping out and that kind of thing. And so, getting the lake house was something that like was a really big like this is like a dream of both of ours to be able to give that to our kids. And yeah. so, um, actually, last weekend. Um, we had my whole family, all 21 of us down to the lake house that really sleeps 13. Um, so it was chaos, but it was wonderful chaos, you know? And I think a lot of my life growing up was wonderful chaos. And we just, we just did it. We went, you went with the flow, you, you know, and 
it was so fun and just just have our cousins we have 10 cousins now together and to have them be able to like you know tube and get in the water and teach them to ski and you know roast marshmallows and fish off the dock I mean it was just you you know a point in your life where you just like oh my gosh like you know all of these things you think about are now coming to fruition you know um and I I also I, I play golf I grew up playing golf with my dad I mean we um and now you know all three of my kids are playing golf. So getting to go when we, we went out one early morning with just my oldest son, Kyle and I and him, and the three of us walked the golf course together. And it was just, I was like, I'm going to remember this moment. I, I feel like I, I really have moments in life where I think I'm going to remember this moment. You know, this is a moment I feel like I can try to like take that in, you know? So have you always been like that or set that more of a recent thing? I think I've always been like that. And I, my love for taking pictures and photos, you know, mm-hmm. has always been there. My mom, you know, anyone that knows my mom knows she wears a cross and a camera around her neck. <laughs> and so she was always taking pictures. Now she's finally like taking them on her cell phone. But she's like the woman that takes her iPhone into Walgreens and plugs it into the computer and still prints pictures out and gives us doubles, you know. Um, but I grew up always loving to take photos and um so funny enough, when we were getting married, I told Kyle, I said, the most important thing to me is to hire a great photographer that will take photos like I, I envision. So that's how I found you. And it was perfect. I still, I look through my album and I absolutely love it. I mean, um, and you just have such a great talent in telling the story, you know? And um, so, um, you know, I've, I've always taken photos just, you know, even back in 35 millimeter days. And, you know, I have photos all around our house of pictures I took before I quote unquote became a photographer, you know, or or took pictures of other people just of, you know, the mountains or the scenes or whatever. I've always felt like it's important to capture that moment. So maybe that's why I kind of, I, I take a mental and a physical picture of moments Mm. in my life. Um, and you could see, um, you know, through in our family room, I have a whole wall of canvases of just, you know, pictures. Um, <clears throat> and so um, I taught myself on, on, you know, a digital SLR and um, started taking photos. This is, um, I guess it's been 11 years now ago. Wow. And, um, you know, I just started taking pictures of a family and friends and um, it kind of grew faster than I thought it could. And I was still working full time. And so then I just, I got to the point when I had Abe where I, you know, I was, I was taking photos every weekend and working my day job and then editing till, you know, 11, you know, midnight. And Mm -hmm. Kyle was like, you have to start taking care of yourself. You're, you're burning the candle both ends. So um, now I just do a few days full of mini sessions in the fall, in the spring. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I don't, I only do really family and friends and, you know, people like that. So I do about 20 sessions in the fall and 20 sessions in the spring. But when I get people's Christmas cards and it's the pictures that I took, it just warms my heart so much because it's like I'm helping to give you guys these picture memories of your family that you'll have, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that I treasure that so much for my own family. So it's fun to be able to do that for yeah. other families. I know you understand that, you know, I don't, you know, I wish I could do, I miss doing the longer sessions where you catch more of the, 
you know, candid stuff because I'm just mm-hmm. doing these 20 minute mini sessions. Um, yeah. um, and now a lot of the kids, since it's been 11 years, I hardly have any young kids. They're all old because I've grown up with them, you know, and so I don't have as many like babies or two year olds doing fun things, you know, <laughs> anymore. But it's still, I still enjoy it. Yeah. Well, um, just a couple things to ask you about before we just kind of wrap up. Um, you know, just on a daily or weekly basis, are there, are there any kind of routines that you've put into your life that are meaningful to you? Well, I know there's like the healthy, the fitness type of things. Anything else? Um, you know, I think it it really varies by day because of just having three kids and depending on schedules and such. I do, I mean, I pray every night before I go to bed. Um I get up in the morning and I work out and that's really puts me, I feel like in a good mindset for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, I try to plan out, you know, dinners and things like that. But, um, you know, I, we try to make it a point to, you know, tuck our kids into bed, of course, every night and, and say, I love you, you know, um, I mean, now our 15-year-old, he's four inches taller than me. So it's not really tucking him in. You know, the last, recently he goes to bed later than we do. So, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't really do any kind of like daily meditation or anything like that, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah. And on the weekends, I really enjoy, you know, Kyle and I just sitting down together and, you know, having a glass of wine or just watching a show, you know, just relaxing together. I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we've been married. Okay. How many years? 2023. Um, how many years is that? 17? I think it'll be or 18. I'm bad at math. Yeah, me too. Um, but you know, and of course, like we've had a lot of friends and family, you know, and gone through, hard times have gone through divorce, have gone through remarrying, you know, a lot of things. And, um, I don't know. I just, I look at certain moments, like I said, in our lives where I say, okay, if we can, we've made it through this, you know, um, and we just, uh, you know, we can, we can make it through, you know, and I think making it through like your kids being little and you're just kind of like, just keep swimming mentality and now they're older and it's like a whole new set of worry right you know they're starting to drive and they're exposed to things in high school they were never exposed to so it's a whole different so it's like it just shifts you know it never it doesn't necessarily get easier until I guess they're out of the house but then you're worrying about them in college and all that all that stuff so we were sitting at the um, lake house so together and um, sitting outside on the pet on the deck and enjoying the view and saying, you know, wow, in 10 years from now, all of our kids will be out of the house. And that's a crazy feeling when I think of 10 years before where we were and then, you know, how quickly the last 10 years have gone by yeah, and how quickly another 10 will go by. And when, you know, when I talk with my high school and your college friends, you're like, how was it 25 years ago that we were in high school? How is that when you still feel a solid like 30, you know, you don't feel your age or you really don't. Um, because those memories, so many memories still feel so fresh in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, well, um, 
So, um, I guess like, um, this is, I feel kind of unfair to ask you this, like kind of toward the end is like such a big question, but like you've kind of been telling me about it just all throughout the conversation, but you know, so what is life all about for you? Um, like kind of if you, if you narrow it down and just like a nutshell type of thing, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh gosh. Um, you know, especially now, I just, I just want to enjoy everything, you know? Um, I mean, I work full time, so I love my job though. Um, I, I've worked in a lot of different places in my life. I do, I do fundraising, you know, I raise money for nonprofits. Um, and I've enjoyed, you know, the different places I've been, but um, where I'm at now at Churchill, I've been, this is, I'm going into my eighth school year. It's the longest I've ever been anywhere. And um, I just feel like because I enjoy work, it makes my life more enjoyable overall. You know, mm-hmm. I love making a difference in the lives of the families that we do. You know, it's a school for kids with learning disabilities, mainly mm-hmm. dyslexia. And um, it's an elementary school age. And these families come in and sometimes, you know, um, I mean, their kids have really struggled in school, you know, and it, it puts a toll on the whole family, you know, because, um, and I see their lives transform through being at Churchill and their whole mission is to get them back into a traditional school after a few years, you know, so it's not to stay there forever. It's so that they can learn the tools and their strengths and what they need to succeed in life and move on. Um, and I get to be a part of that by raising money for our mission. So, you know, that's really fulfilling to me. I mean, um, then being able to do photography on the side, you know, is, is fulfilling, you know? Um, so I think, I think there are people who go to their job every day and they can, it can just be a job and it doesn't have to fulfill them. It doesn't have to fill a cup, you know, that's just Mm -hmm. what they do. It's transactional or whatnot. I, I need my job to fill my cup. So I, I've learned that about in just different places that I've been. Um, and it, it affects my overall kind of mentality. Um, but, you know, the kids are growing up so quickly. Um, and we're at a point in life where I just want to enjoy, you know, I want to do things with them, you know, I, it's funny. Um, I'm not a big like board game person or card game person. I don't. We didn't grow up doing a lot of that. We grew up, you know, going miniature golfing. You know, just doing more activities and stuff, going places. That's how we grew up. We didn't really grow up like sitting around playing a five hour game of Catan. You know, so that doesn't fill my cup. Like Kyle loves that, which is great. So he can be the game player with the kids. But I love like taking them, you know, to play mini golf or like taking them to a movie or like, you know, doing all the outdoor water sports and something, you know, I have enjoyed camping more. Kyle's brought that. We did not grow up camping. Um, but I do, I, it, it's fun. Um, and hiking and that sort of thing. We did not grow up hiking. Uh, but I've learned to enjoy and appreciate things that he loves and appreciates. Um, and so I just, um, I treasure time with my girlfriends, you know, um, um, you know, um, I've been really fortunate to have really 
great, wonderful groups of friends throughout, you know, high school friends, college friends, post-college friends, work friends. And I'm a person that likes to keep in touch with people, you know. Um, and so it's that's what's great about social media is you can keep up with people that way. But it's been wonderful to be able to, like, walk with people and, you know, because, you know, the time you've spent apart is not indicative indicative of how much you care about that person. You know, you're just living parallel lives and you don't, you know, mm-hmm. get to see them. And so um, I just try, you know, to fill our life with, you know, fun things together and um, new experiences. Um, you know, um, I'm like a beach person and Kyle's a mountain person so we try to like balance balance that you know so you know we're planning a trip to um to Washington and Idaho and so you know I want to play golf and go to the wineries you know and Kyle's like what hike can we fit in here (laughs) so um you know balancing that sort of thing but I really enjoy planning trips for for just him and I and I I think it's so important especially when your kids are young to just be able to get out and do things with your partner by yourself. It's so hard. I know it's so hard, but I feel like we really made a point to like vacation by ourselves um, or just go watch dinner by ourselves or just get away for a night, you know, when they were growing up. And you you really do have like a moment where you're like, oh, I really like being around this person still <laughs> because you're going through, you know, life every day and, you know, it, you're just trying to get through it, you know, and, and get the kids to all their activity. I mean, especially when they're babies and you're just, I mean, their schedule is your schedule and that's it, you know? So, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I remember going on a trip with Kyle. We went to, we went to French Lick, Indiana and stayed at the resort there. And, you know, we woke up in the morning, um, and we like went running together, which he runs way faster than me, but we still like went running together. Um, and then we played golf and then we laid by the pool and then we went out to like a little wine tasting and went out to dinner. And I was just thinking, I feel so lucky that my partner loves to do, like, we both love to do all these same things together. And it's like the spectrum of, you know, stuff and we can do all this together and and, like enjoy it. Like, this is so fun. Like when I was single and I, I feel like I was, I was single, um, it was one of the last one of my friends um, to get married. And um, so I had a really long list of what I wanted out of a partner. Um, and I could be super picky and super um, <laughs> fickle about things. I get, you know, just picking at little things. Oh, this, is, this isn't going to work out because of this little thing. And then you learn um, through marriage obviously and just when I found the right person you know those little things don't matter because the love you have for them outweighs the little things you know and I'm certainly not perfect and I know there's a million little things that you know he accepts about me (laughs) um so anyway I that's a long ways around that question but I do feel like it's important to balance time with your family and time with your spouse and have both um throughout, you know, um, life. And he, and we go to church together. I'm definitely more in and into it than he, he, he's not like a small group or anything, but he goes because he knows it's important to me. I mean, and, and, and we raise our kids Christian because 
that's important to both of us. But like, um, you know, whenever I said, well, it's, you know, we're, we don't all often get to make it to church every single Sunday. Um, you know, but you know, we do, um, make it a point to go when we can, you know, and he's very like on board and supportive, which is important, I think, to be on the same page. Cause I don't know how that would feel to like, <clears throat> have a spouse that like you didn't go to church with that you just went by yourself. Like, I feel like that would be, I would be sad about that. I'm glad that we both go together, you know? Well, Christina, it's been really good. (laughs) Thanks for the conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful to talk and catch up. Mm -hmm.